Book 11, Chapters 1 through 3 of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicola K. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume 3 by Flavius Josephus. Translated by William Whiston. Book 11, Chapters 1 through 3. Book 11, containing the interval of 253 years and five months, from the first of Cyrus to the death of Alexander the Great. Chapter 1. How Cyrus, king of the Persians, delivered the Jews out of Babylon, and suffered them to return to their own country, and to build their temple, for which work he gave them money. In the first year of the reign of Cyrus, which was the seventieth from the day that our people were removed out of their own land into Babylon, God commiserated the captivity and calamity of these poor people, according as he had foretold to them by Jeremiah the prophet, before the destruction of the city, that after they had served Nebuchadnezzar and his posterity, and after they had undergone that servitude seventy years, he would restore them again to the land of their fathers, and they should build their temple and enjoy their ancient prosperity. And these things God did afford them, for he stirred up the mind of Cyrus, and made him write this throughout all Asia. Thus saith Cyrus the king, Since God Almighty hath appointed me to be king of the habitable earth, I believe that he is that God which the nation of the Israelites worship. For indeed he foretold my name by the prophets, and that I should build him a house at Jerusalem, in the country of Judea. This was known to Cyrus by his reading the book which Isaiah left behind him of his prophecies. For this prophet said that God had spoken thus to him in a secret vision. My will is that Cyrus, whom I have appointed to be king over many and great nations, send back my people to their own land and build my temple. This was foretold by Isaiah one hundred and forty years before the temple was demolished. Accordingly, when Cyrus read this, and admired the divine power, an earnest desire and ambition seized upon him to fulfill what was so written. So he called for the most eminent Jews that were in Babylon, and said to them, that he gave them leave to go back to their own country, and to rebuild their city Jerusalem, and the temple of God, for that he would be their assistant, and that he would write to the rulers and governors that were in the neighborhood of their country of Judea, that they should contribute to them gold and silver for the building of the temple, and besides that, beasts for their sacrifices." When Cyrus had said this to the Israelites, the rulers of the two tribes of Judah and Benjamin, with the Levites and priests, went in haste to Jerusalem. Yet did many of them stay at Babylon, as not willing to leave their possessions. And when they were come thither, all the king's friends assisted them, and brought in, for the building of the temple, some gold and some silver, and some a great many cattle and horses. So they performed their vows to God, and offered the sacrifices that had been accustomed of old time. I mean this upon the rebuilding of their city, and the revival of the ancient practices relating to their worship. 
Cyrus also sent back to them the vessels of God which King Nebuchadnezzar had pillaged out of the temple, and had carried to Babylon. So he committed these things to Mithridates, the treasurer, to be sent away with an order to give them to Sanabassar, that he might keep them till the temple was built, and when it was finished he might deliver them to the priests and rulers of the multitude, in order to their being restored to the temple. Cyrus also sent an epistle to the governors that were in Syria, the contents whereof here follow. King Cyrus to Sicines and Sathrabuzanes sendeth greetings. I have given leave to as many of the Jews that dwell in my country as pleased to return to their own country, and to rebuild their city, and to build the temple of God at Jerusalem, on the same place where it was before. I have also sent my treasurer Mithridates and Zerubbabel the governor of the Jews, that they may lay the foundations of the temple, and may build it sixty cubits high, and of the same latitude, making three edifices of polished stones, and one of the wood of the country. And the same order extends to the altar whereon they offer sacrifices to God. I require also that the expenses for these things may be given out of my revenues. Moreover, I have also sent the vessels which King Nebuchadnezzar pillaged out of the temple, and have given them to Mithridates the treasurer, and to Zorobabel the governor of the Jews, that they may have them carried to Jerusalem, and may restore them to the temple of God. Now their number is as follows. Fifty chargers of gold, and five hundred of silver. Forty Theraclean cups of gold, and five hundred of silver. Fifty basins of gold, and five hundred of silver. Thirty vessels for pouring the drink offerings, and three hundred of silver. Thirty vials of gold, and two thousand four hundred of silver. With a thousand other large vessels. I permit them to have the same honor which they were used to have from their forefathers, as also for their small cattle, and for wine and oil, two hundred and five thousand and five hundred drachmae, and for wheat flour twenty thousand and five hundred artibae, and I give order that these expenses shall be given them out of the tributes due from Samaria. The priests shall also offer these sacrifices according to the laws of Moses in Jerusalem, and when they offer them, they shall pray to God for the preservation of the king and of his family, that the kingdom of Persia may continue. But my will is that those who disobey these injunctions and make them void shall be hung upon a cross and their substance brought into the king's treasury. And such was the import of this epistle. Now the number of those that came out of captivity to Jerusalem were 42,462. Chapter 2. How upon the death of Cyrus the Jews were hindered in building of the temple by the Cuthians and the neighboring governors, and how Cambyses entirely forbade the Jews to do any such thing. When the foundations of the temple were laying, and when the Jews were very zealous about building it, the neighboring nations, and especially the Cuthians, whom Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, had brought out of Persia and Media, and had planted in Samaria, when he carried the people of Israel captives, besought the governors and those that had the care of such affairs, that they would interrupt the Jews, both in the rebuilding of their city and in the building of their temple. Now as these men were corrupted by them with money, they sold the Cuthians their interest for rendering this building a slow and a careless work, 
for Cyrus, who was busy about other wars, knew nothing of all this, and it so happened that when he had led his army against the Massagetae, he ended his life. But when Cambyses, the son of Cyrus, had taken the kingdom, the governors in Syria and Phoenicia, and in the countries of Amnon and Moab, and Samaria, wrote an epistle to Cambyses, whose contents were as follow. To our lord Cambyses, we thy servants Rathumas, the historiographer, and Semelius, the scribe, and the rest that are thy judges in Syria and Phoenicia, send greeting. It is fit, O king, that thou shouldst know that those Jews which were carried to Babylon are come into our country, and are building that rebellious and wicked city, and its market-places, and setting up its walls, and raising up the temple. Know, therefore, that when these things are finished, they will not be willing to pay tribute, nor will they submit to thy commands, but will resist kings, and will choose rather to rule over others than be ruled over themselves." We therefore thought it proper to write to thee, O king, while the works about the temple are going on so fast, and not to overlook this matter, that thou mayst search into the books of thy fathers, for thou wilt find in them that the Jews have been rebels and enemies to kings, as hath their city been also, which for that reason hath been till now laid waste. We thought proper also to inform thee of this matter, because thou mayst otherwise perhaps be ignorant of it, that if this city be once inhabited and be entirely encompassed with walls, thou wilt be excluded from thy passage to Celesyria and Phoenicia. When Cambyses had read the epistle, being naturally wicked, he was irritated at what they told him, and wrote back to them as follows. Cambyses the king, to Rathumus the historiographer, to be Tethmus, to Samelius the scribe, and the rest that are in commission, and dwelling in Samaria and Phoenicia, after this manner. I have read the epistle that was sent from you, and I gave order that the books of my forefathers should be searched into, and it is there found that this city hath always been an enemy to kings, and its inhabitants have raised seditions and wars. We also are sensible that their kings have been powerful and tyrannical, and have exacted tribute of Celesyria and Phoenicia. Wherefore I gave order that the Jews shall not be permitted to build that city, lest such mischief as they used to bring upon kings be greatly augmented. When this epistle was read, Rathumus and Semelius the scribe and their associates got suddenly on horseback and made haste to Jerusalem. They also brought a great company with them, and forbade the Jews to build the city and the temple. Accordingly, these works were hindered from going on till the second year of the reign of Darius, for nine years more. For Cambyses reigned six years, and within that time overthrew Egypt, and when he was come back, he died at Damascus. Chapter 3 How after the death of Cambyses and the slaughter of the Magi, but under the reign of Darius, Zorobabel was superior to the rest in the solution of problems, and thereby obtained this favor of the king, that the temple should be built. After the slaughter of five Magi, who, upon the death of Cambyses, attained the government of the Persians for a year, those families which were called the seven families of the Persians appointed Darius, the son of Histaspes, to be their king. Now he, while he was a private man, had made a vow to God that if he came to be king, he would send all the vessels of God that were in Babylon to the temple at Jerusalem. 
now it so fell out that about this time zorobabel who had been made governor of the jews that had been in captivity came to darius from jerusalem for there had been an old friendship between him and the king he was also with two others thought worthy to be guard of the king's body and obtained that honor which he hoped for now in the first year of the king's reign darius feasted those that were about him and those born in his house with the rulers of the medes and princes of the persians and the toparchs of india and ethiopia and the generals of the armies of his hundred and twenty-seven provinces but when they had eaten and drunk to satiety and abundantly they every one departed to go to bed at their own houses and darius the king went to bed but after he had rested a little part of the night he awaked and not being able to sleep any more he fell into conversation with the three guards of his body and promised that to him who should make an oration about points that he should inquire of such as should be most agreeable to truth and to the dictates of wisdom he would grant it as a reward of his victory to put on a purple garment and to drink in cups of gold and to sleep upon gold and to have a chariot with bridles of gold and a head-tire of fine linen and a chain of gold about his neck and to sit next to himself on account of his wisdom and says he he shall be called my cousin now when he had promised to give them these gifts he asked the first of them whether wine was not the strongest the second whether kings were not such and the third, whether women were not such, or whether truth was not the strongest of all. When he had proposed that they should make their inquiries about these problems, he went to rest. But in the morning he sent for his great men, his princes, and toparchs of Persia and Media, and sat himself down in the place where he used to give audience, and bid each of the guards of his body to declare what they thought proper concerning the proposed questions in the hearing of them all accordingly the first of them began to speak of the strength of wine and demonstrated it thus when said he i am to give my opinion of wine o you men i find that it exceeds everything by the following indications it deceives the mind of those that drink it and reduces that of the king to the same state with that of the orphan and he who stands in need of a tutor and erects that of the slave to the boldness of him that is free and that of the needy becomes like that of the rich man for it changes and renews the souls of men when it gets into them and it quenches the sorrow of those that are under calamities and makes men forget the debts they owe to others and makes them think themselves to be of all men the richest it makes them talk of no small things but of talents and such other names as become wealthy men only nay more it makes them insensible of their commanders and of their kings and takes away the remembrance of their friends and companions for it arms men even against those that are dearest to them and makes them appear the greatest strangers to them and when they are become sober and they have slept out their wine in the night they arise without knowing anything they have done in their cups i take these for signs of power and by them discover that wine is the strongest and most insuperable of all things. As soon as the first had given the forementioned demonstrations of the strength of wine, he left off, and the next to him began to speak about the strength of a king, and demonstrated that it was the strongest of all, and more powerful than anything else that appears to have any force or wisdom. 
he began his demonstration after the following manner, and said, They are men who govern all things. They force the earth and the sea to become profitable to them in what they desire, and over these men do kings rule, and over them they have authority. Now those who rule over that animal which is of all the strongest and most powerful must needs deserve to be esteemed insuperable in power and force. For example, when these kings command their subjects to make wars and undergo dangers, they are hearkened to. And when they send them against their enemies, their power is so great that they are obeyed. They command men to level mountains, and to pull down walls and towers. Nay, when they are commanded to be killed and to kill, they submit to it, that they may not appear to transgress the king's commands. And when they have conquered, they bring what they have gained in the war to the king. Those also who are not soldiers, but cultivate the ground and plough it, and when, after they have endured the labor and all the inconveniences of such works of husbandry, they have reaped and gathered in their fruits, they bring tributes to the king, and whatsoever it is which the king says or commands, it is done of necessity, and that without any delay, while he in the meantime is satiated with all sorts of food and pleasures, and sleeps in quiet. He is guarded by such as watch, and such as are, as it were, fixed down to the place through fear, for no one dares leave him even when he is asleep nor does any one go away and take care of his own affairs but he esteems this one thing the only work of necessity to guard the king and accordingly to this he wholly addicts himself how then can it be otherwise but that it must appear that the king exceeds all in strength while so great a multitude obeys his injunctions now when this man had held his peace, the third of them who was Zorobabel began to instruct them about women and about truth, who said thus, Wine is strong, as is the king also, whom all men obey. But women are superior to them in power, for it was a woman that brought the king into the world, and for those that plant the vines and make the wine, they are women who bear them and bring them up nor indeed is there any thing which we do not receive from them for these women weave garments for us and our household affairs are by their means taken care of and preserved in safety nor can we live separate from women and when we have gotten a great deal of gold and silver and any other thing that is of great value and deserving regard and see a beautiful woman we leave all these things and with open mouth fix our eyes upon her countenance and are willing to forsake what we have that we may enjoy her beauty and procure it to ourselves we also leave father and mother and the earth that nourishes us and frequently forget our dearest friends for the sake of women nay we are so hardy as to lay down our lives for them but what will chiefly make you take notice of the strength of women is this that follows do we not take pains and endure a great deal of trouble that both by land and sea and when we have procured somewhat as the fruit of our labors do we not bring them to the women as to our mistresses and bestow them upon them nay i once saw the king who is lord of so many people smitten on the face by apami the daughter of Rabsaces, Thamasius his concubine, and his diadem taken away from him, and put upon her own head, while he bore it patiently. And when she smiled, he smiled, and when she was angry, he was sad, and according to the change of her passions, he flattered his wife, and drew her to reconciliation by the great humiliation of himself to her.
if at my time he saw her displeased at him. And when the princes and rulers looked upon one another, he began to speak about truth. And he said, I have already demonstrated how powerful women are, but both these women themselves and the king himself are weaker than truth. For although the earth be large, and the heaven high, and the course of the sun swift, yet are all these moved according to the will of God, who is true and righteous, for which cause we all for which cause we also ought to esteem truth to be the strongest of all things, and that what is unrighteous is of no force against it. Moreover, all things else that have any strength are mortal and short-lived, but truth is a thing that is immortal and eternal. It affords us not indeed such a beauty as will wither away by time, nor such riches as may be taken away by fortune, but righteous rules and laws. It distinguishes them from injustice, and puts what is unrighteous to rebuke. So when Zorobabel had left off his discourse about truth, and the multitude had cried out aloud that he had spoken the most wisely, and that it was truth alone that had immutable strength, and such as never would wax old, the king commanded that he should ask for somewhat over and above what he had promised, for that he would give it him because of his wisdom, and that prudence wherein he exceeded the rest. And thou shalt sit with me, said the king, and shalt be called my cousin. When he had said this, Zorobabel put him in mind of the vow he had made in case he should ever have the kingdom. Now this vow was to rebuild Jerusalem and to build therein the temple of God, as also to restore the vessels which Nebuchadnezzar had pillaged and carried to Babylon. And this, said he, is that request which thou now permittest me to make, on account that I have been judged to be wise and understanding." So the king was pleased with what he had said, and arose and kissed him, and wrote to the toparchs and governors, and enjoined them to conduct Zorobabel and those that were going with him to build the temple. He also sent letters to those rulers that were in Syria and Phoenicia to cut down and carry cedar trees from Lebanon to Jerusalem, and to assist him in building the city. He also wrote to them that all the captives who should go to Judea should be free and he prohibited his deputies and governors to lay any king's taxes upon the Jews. He also permitted that they should have all that land which they could possess themselves of without tributes. He also enjoined the Edomians and Samaritans and the inhabitants of Celesyria to restore those villages which they had taken from the Jews, and that, besides all this, fifty talents should be given them for the building of the temple. He also permitted them to offer their appointed sacrifices, and that whatsoever the high priest and the priests wanted, and those sacred garments wherein they used to worship God, should be made at his own charges, and that the musical instruments which the Levites used in singing hymns to God should be given them. Moreover, he charged them that portions of land should be given to those that guarded the city and the temple, as also a determinate sum of money every year for their maintenance, and withal he sent the vessels. And all that Cyrus intended to do before him, relating to the restoration of Jerusalem, Darius also ordained should be done accordingly. Now when Zorobabel had obtained these grants from the king, he went out of the palace, and looking up to heaven, he began to return thanks to God for the wisdom he had given him, and the victory he had gained thereby, even in the presence of Darius himself, 
"For," said he, "I had not been thought worthy of these advantages, O Lord, unless thou hadst been favorable to me." When therefore he had returned these thanks to God for the present circumstances he was in, and had prayed to him to afford him the like favor for the time to come, he came to Babylon, and brought the good news to his countrymen of what grants he had procured for them from the king; who, when they heard the same, gave thanks also to God that he restored the land of their forefathers to them again. So they betook themselves to drinking and eating, and for seven days they continued feasting, and kept a festival, for the rebuilding and restoration of their country. After this, they chose themselves rulers, who should go up to Jerusalem, out of the tribes of their forefathers, with their wives and children and cattle, who traveled to Jerusalem with joy and pleasure, under the conduct of those whom Darius sent along with them, and making a noise with songs and pipes and cymbals. The rest of the Jewish multitude also besides accompanied them with rejoicing. And thus did these men go, a certain and determinate number out of every family, though I do not think it proper to recite particularly the names of those families, that I may not take off the mind of my readers from the connection of the historical facts, and make it hard for them to follow the coherence of my narrations. But the sum of those that went up above the age of twelve years, of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, was four hundred and sixty-two myriads and eight thousand. The Levites were seventy-four. The number of the women and children mixed together was forty thousand seven hundred and forty-two. And besides these there were singers of the Levites, one hundred and twenty-eight, and porters, one hundred and ten, and of the sacred ministers, three hundred and ninety-two. There were also others besides these, who said they were of the Israelites, but were not able to show their genealogies. 662. Some there were also who were expelled out of the number and honor of the priests, as having married wives, whose genealogies they could not produce, nor were they found in the genealogies of the Levites and priests. They were about 525. The multitude also of servants that followed those that went up to Jerusalem were seven thousand three hundred and thirty-seven. The singing men and singing women were two hundred and forty-five. The camels were four hundred and thirty-five. The beasts used to the yoke were five thousand five hundred and twenty-five. And the governors of all this multitude thus numbered were Zorobabel, the son of Salathiel, of the posterity of David, and of the tribe of Judah and Jeshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And besides these, there were Mordecai and Cerebius, who were distinguished from the multitude, and were rulers, who also contributed a hundred pounds of gold and five thousand of silver. By this means, therefore, the priests and the Levites, and a certain part of the entire people of the Jews that were in Babylon, came and dwelt in Jerusalem. But the rest of the multitude returned, every one to their own countries. End of Book 11, Chapters 1 through 3. Recording by Nicola Kay.